When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Redcasters, be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to be notified about our latest videos. Go Big Red. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Boomer. Hey, Dave. Uh, good to be back. I know we've taken a few weeks off, but uh, has anything happened in sports in the last couple of weeks, whether it's Huskers or just in general? Are we going to be having anything to talk about or fill a show? Uh, I don't know, Boomer. I, I think it's pretty quiet, but I've been in an igloo for the last month, so I really, really can't say. Maybe I'll, I'll ask Honky. He's probably been around. What's up, Honky? Yeah. Uh, in an attempt to get the Redcast a couple podcast Emmys, I'm now going by my new ESPN given name, Honk Morgan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was one of the more interesting news bits that came out today, that ESPN has had to give back Emmys for their uh, college game day show, which has won multiple show Emmys. Uh, the on-air personalities aren't supposed to get the Emmys, right? It's the production team that gets it. So, But ESPN felt they wanted to reward guys like um, Kirk Herbstreet and uh, Sam Ponder and everyone else. And so they just like faked names of production team members and then changed the uh, the actual engraving uh, and they had to return those. That's an amazing story. I really thought it was hilarious that they didn't actually even change, change Sam Ponder's last name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they didn't like, want to make really? it too obvious, Dave. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. They just called her Steve. I mean, like, well, it explains a lot why ESPN had no issue with what Michigan did. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, this is... <laughs> They're like, oh, wait a second. This is. This I mean, is do people have to vacate Emmys that often? I guess that's something new. <laughs> no, or, I think yeah. this is extremely unusual. Um, more so than uh, team vacating wins, I would say these days. <laughs> Uh, well, we vacated a few weeks of the show. We did take a nice little holiday break, uh, but I think we all all needed it. Uh, Honky, I think you know you took a little bit longer of a break, but you also did a, approximately 112 shows between January and October this year, uh, last year. So um, I don't know if you'll do as many on season eight. I, I maybe advise you to go a little slower on the pace of the shows, um, but uh, glad to have you back on. And um, do you feel refreshed? I guess it's, you know, I mean, I, I didn't spend a lot of time watching bowl games, so I, you know, I didn't use up all that energy. That's right. Uh, yeah. So it's good to get through the bowls. Um, they were really good playoffs. So I'll give them that. So uh, looking yeah. forward and trying to make it into a positive is that I think an expanded playoff, if those games are anything like the ones that we just watched, that's a great sign for the future, but man, this bowl season was barf. And uh, yeah. you know, Dave, we had drinks over the, over the, the week between the holidays and, um, that was about the only time I watched any bowls at all was just that night with you and just there in the background. That's, that's about it. And everything that I read and, and, and social media, you know, following the, during the games, I don't think I missed a whole lot. So, uh, 
but anyways, yeah. glad to be back and uh, ready to get going. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say from a betting perspective, it's easier to bet the playoff games because they actually try or some of the yeah. bowl games, it was almost impossible to figure out what was going on. But uh, yeah, there's a lot going on, right? I mean, like uh, we, we feels like I, we got three shows worth of content here. Uh, we can talk a lot about uh, football. We can talk a little bit about that national championship game and what the Big Ten is going to look like next year. Talk about all the recruiting and transfer portal action, um, all the stuff that Rule and company are doing over there in the North Stadium that seems to be doing a, a, a lot of good for everyone. Um, and we can also talk about some Nebraska basketball for once and get excited about that. So, Honky, what are you feeling like? Well, I, I'm fresh off of being at uh, PBA on Tuesday night for the the big victory over number one Purdue. So start with a little basketball. Let's do it. We're talking Nebraska ball. Maybe we need to start calling it Hoiberg ball here pretty soon because Fred looks like he has gotten over the hump here um, and the program is definitely going in the right direction. Honky, what was the uh, – I think I know the answer, but uh, I'll ask anyway. What was the atmosphere like there in uh, PBA? Well, uh, being that you would understand this because you were at the game with me uh, back in 2014 with uh, Wisconsin, it wasn't right. quite no such Sunday, but uh, it was for Tuesday night during the off time the where the students weren't yeah. on campus during the break when it was, uh, you know, a disaster outside. I see a, a poor gentleman like slipped right outside the, the front. And I mean, got her head, uh, the ambulance came and got him, uh, that kind of stuff for all of that being the the case it was amazing the atmosphere um if there was 14,000 people which is what i think i saw was the was the uh what they said was in there i don't know if there's a scan seats or not but uh it was a loud crowd and progressively louder as the game went on each one of those threes that case they made um you know all of a sudden there's this belief that my gosh i mean when it got down to one in the second half but then we go back on another run it was like i think we're going to do this <laughs> and yeah. uh it was it was awesome to be there at the end and then uh to watch the crowd i didn't i didn't join everyone on the the crowd or on the the court but uh that was a, a heck of a scene there and for a fan base that's just been starving for victories like this and moments like this that was huge it just it rejuvenated i think a lot of people and there's there are people in the in the crowd that uh, weren't just basketball you know players right. and Right. Coaches and fans too. So I think it was good for um, a lot of people to see that and good for Husker Nation. Now there's reports of Matt Rule being out on the on the floor after the game. I mean, I, I think it would have been fun to see you out there in your schmock and then maybe, <laughs> you know, you, you two just run into each other and you're like, hey. You yeah, know? there's the restraining order. I know you. Universe, so, yeah. yeah, I feel like major league where you just go up and, hey, punch the guy and then hug him and everyone's just, you know, having a ball and, you know. Uh, no, I just fun, I don't mean punch game. rule, but <laughs> he punch you. I think that's he punched he punched me for doing the doppelganger. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was awesome to see down there too. That was um worth the the price of admission was just looking down there and seeing Trev and then Rule with him, and then Trev, you know Trev's wife was there, and I think Rule's two daughters were with him. Those five were sitting right at the court side, and you know Michael Schaefer he wrote something. I'm not you know I'm not big. I don't quote a lot of things Schaefer says, but I'll tell you what, there's, he tweeted something I thought that was really, really kind of powerful afterwards where you don't have to go far back in Nebraska history to find an AD and a head coach that didn't, it seemed like it pained them to go to games like that. 
And my understanding, I, I didn't pay a lot of attention when Moose was was here with basketball, but um, that he had a suite and that he wasn't in the suite ever. It was always dark. Mm-hmm. And Trev couldn't be any different. To be right on court side, I mean, he's as visible as you're going to get, and he's yeah. as present as you're going to be. And if that game goes sideways, he's going to be sitting right there in the front row hearing it from people. But you know what? That's that's what he wants. That's what he wants to be. And that's yeah. leadership there. And um, I was so happy to watch all the videos of him and then rule with him and the kids, and they're all running on the court. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just I think that's a tangible example of culture. The, the C word that we always hear that's hard to describe was culture. That's an example there of culture starting to take over. Um, yeah. And there were there were volleyball people in the stands. And there was it's just, you know, you're starting to kind of get this family feel of, of the athletic department. And that all leads up to Trev. Yeah, yeah. And the culture is not just football, to your point. We're talking about mm-hmm. as a whole, the athletic department. And I think basketball is a part of that culture, right, Boomer? I mean, like a couple of years ago, uh, we were – you know, pulling out whatever hair we had left because the team couldn't hit a three. They didn't play defense. Uh, they would go absent for halves at a time. It felt like offensively um, this team. Um, now they struggled a little bit against a very good Wisconsin team on the road. I'll tell you what, a lot of teams are going to struggle against that Wisconsin team in the Cole center and, and big 10 road games are always tough. We're going to have one here in, in uh, 24 hours. We're going to see how we can bounce back, but when we got a home game, uh, Fred really got them to um, uh, play with the determination and defensive intensity necessary to beat the number one team in the country, and then they made their shots, right, Boomer? I mean, like, boy, uh, that, that's that's big. 14 threes, I think. Yeah, it was nice to finally see those, you know, start going in, especially, you know, against Wisconsin. They struggled really with threes early on that, and, you know, just the games that they've lost, they just really struggled with that three and the defense would kind of break down. But when the team puts it together, you know, you can see what they can do, you know, a game like Purdue or, you know, against Indiana, you know, we've seen what this team is capable of when they play, you know, compliment. We, we use complimentary football all the time. Well, there's complimentary basketball too. Can we, you know, play defense? Can we hit some shots? Can they make free throws? And are you getting contributions from everybody on the team? You're not just counting on, you know, Tom and I got to come out there and hopefully light the world on fire and, you know, this was a, that kind of game where you got to see everybody participating and whether it's, you know, scoring buckets yeah. or getting steals and turnovers or just playing good defense, getting rebounds. I mean, you know, you had guys like Mast and, you know, Hoiberg playing well in the game. And, you know, C.J. Wilker has been a great, great, been playing uh, great player this year. I mean, just what he's turned into, just you can almost always seem to count on him coming off the bench and just suddenly, you know, giving you that injection or spark, you know, hitting a three and making a couple of big plays and getting some points when the, when the team really needs it. And, you know, that, that goes back to that culture. Maybe, you know, it's just kind of what I think we all thought Hoiberg would have as a team, you know, probably sooner than he has so far, but yep. at least we're finally seeing it here for a variety of reasons. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great to see someone like CJ, CJ Welcher stick with this program and um, even have a diminished role at times over the last couple of years and now really find a, a really key role as kind of like the key six man off the bench. And um, I mean, Honky, I mean, we've, we've talked, uh, especially earlier in the Hoiberg era about like what Fred wanted and all those type of things. And, you know, it was like they're kind of replicate the Iowa state success and it just didn't work. Uh, but they've changed their recruiting philosophy, got better fits in the program. Um, I, I still think offensively they're doing a lot of stuff that Fred wants to do. Looking at Rink Mass, bring the ball up as a 6'10", 
point center is exactly what Fred has always envisioned. But the difference here is they've learned how to play Big Ten defense, right? And that mm. can, can change everything and keep them in games when they're not hitting threes and keeps their intensity up. Um, what, what do you think about uh, Horberg ball now? Well, I mean, it looks a lot better for sure. Uh, yeah. There, I, I heard – I was sitting around some pretty good basketball people for the game, and some of the stuff I've heard, and I'm sure you've heard the same stuff as well, is that his pro background, the way that they defended against Edie, against a, a big, was very much a kind of an NBA style of doing yep. it and double-teaming yep. him down there. and Triple-teaming uh, him at times. Triple-teaming him at times. I mean, it, the game to me started – it was all mass to start the game. He scores the first seven points, really sets the tone. But the toughness that he gave – I mean, he looked like such a little kid out there to Edie, which is amazing because you know a big mass He's is. six inches shorter, yeah. But he just looks so small. But but he – I mean, he played lower body against him. He was not allowing Edie within five feet of the, the hoop. And yeah. then they always had somebody right around him. But there were a couple times, too – on a, on a couple of possessions where the first, the first person that was on Edie before anybody else could get there, maybe it was Hoiberg or maybe it was. Yeah. Tomanaga got, got a foul on him. I was like, well, that's a mismatch, but I mean, it was just, <laughs> there's this toughness. Like they were going to send everybody they could. And then eventually you get, you know, Bryce Williams swatting away a ball on him too, you know, blocking him at the, at the very end. Yeah, the it was end, just yeah. really impressive. And it, I get it for all the fans that are frustrated that it took to now. I completely get it. But I'm going to go back to the guy that I talked about earlier, Trev. I was really happy for Trev watching yeah. this game because he that's a perfect example of a couple of years ago. You had Frost and you had you had Hoiberg and you had Trev making really difficult decisions. You know, do I keep him? Do I do I get rid of him? Well, he kept them both and he and he set goals down and we're going to make these changes. We're going to do these things. And, you know, he didn't just go ahead and get rid of the guys right away. Frost, things didn't pan out for him. Hoiberg's made some real tangible changes. It started with Abdomasi, Abdomasi, yeah. whatever, not being here anymore and not flipping the team every single year so that you were looking at a, uh, you know, a roster every year where you're like, I don't know anybody. I mean, there's some new guys on this roster. Don't get me wrong, but there's also a lot of holdovers from that team that was having success last year. And the other part of it is that the, the guys that they did bring in, the new guys, these are men. I mean, Mast yeah. and Alec Absolutely and William, wow. these guys have played you know, hundreds of basketball games between them. And that's yep. completely different than just bringing in, you know, some, some hot shot, you know, newcomer Juco guy or whatever, Juco or whatever that hasn't done it. I mean, Mast played yep. four years at Bradley and, and same thing yep. there with Williams at, at Charlotte. And obviously, you know, Alex played a ton too. So you see it, it just looks like a experienced team. And, and also to hold them to that higher standard, it is frustrating when you see them play poorly against Wisconsin. And I think tomorrow night, and Justin, you had the question, the game tomorrow night is 8.30 on BTN. It's immediately following 6.30 on BTN is Nebraska against Iowa at home in wrestling, which is huge. Oh, wow. Well, at 8, 8.30, it goes right into at 8.30, we're at Iowa. And uh, and that's, you know, it. we can't take games off. This has got to be an experienced team now that this is an old team. This is a... This is a, a team that's now beat the number one team in the country. There's nobody on this schedule we, we should look at and say we can't play with. Let's not repeat, you know, the the, the Wisconsin performance tomorrow night, sure. which I just thought, I thought that was real lackadaisical. Yeah, and I, I don't think that will happen. I, I'm not going to sit here and guarantee a win, though, right? Um, mm -hmm. Boomer, uh, you like bracketology as, as much as me. The, the bracket matrix website does a really good job of 
laying out, I think, up to 54 different um, bracket projections. I checked right before the show, and I think we're on the 11 seed line, which is up um, a bit from from just yesterday. So uh, yeah, as, as brackets get updated, we have we've moved off of the uh, play-in line, right, Honky, and, and actually into a an 11 seed. I think that makes us the sixth or seventh team in the Big Ten. Um, the, the Big Ten isn't as down as, say, it was a few years ago when we got left out, even though we went 13-5 and five in, in conference. Um, but it, it may not be a vintage 9 or 10 team bid uh, conference, but it, it, I think, you know, six or seven is is quite likely. And right, I mean the numbers boomer, we are 13 and three, three and two. And I mean, we can we can break this down eight ways from Sunday, but bottom line is if if you go eight and seven in your last 15, they got 15 conference games, uh, I would feel very confident that that we're in the tournament. Because if you go eight and seven, that means you've probably protected your home court. I think that's primary number one. I think you probably stole a one or two. Uh, road road wins. Um, we can still win tomorrow night, right? Iowa has a good net ranking, um, but they're not a vintage Iowa team, especially offensively. Uh, but that's not a given, right? I want to make sure people understand. Honky, you're right. We need to build this momentum. It'd be so awesome mm-hmm. to reel off a couple of wins here in a row. Um, it's not easy to win uh, road games uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, so it, it's not going to be easy. But I think we can get a couple of them. And then I think... We, we got to make sure we don't have any bad losses, right? We don't want to go out there and lose to a couple teams that are maybe on the lower end of the Big Ten and and put a scar on our resume. Because I think if we just hold out at home, uh, we're going to get a couple more quad one wins, right? You know, so mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a fun next couple of months. And, um, I, you know, I, I think they could uh, – they're a team that seems like think it's built to – to play well um, for a sustained uh, period of time. And, and maybe they can make, make that, that run in the tournament where they finally get one victory. Yeah. And, and kind of like you're saying, Dave, you know, just how tough it is to win on the road in the big 10 and, you know, just what people might think. I mean, if you look at the, look at Vegas, Iowa's favored tomorrow actually by three yeah. and a half right now. So that tells you just kind of how all that Not plays together, but I think you're right. I think, you know, I'd, I'd be happier winning nine games just to get that 22 wins, just to make sure um, that kind of alleviates any concerns with kind of a softer non-con schedule that we had this year. It wasn't full of a lot of world beaters. I mean, but we did get the win against K-State, which helps in there. As long as they can keep winning, that would they be They need good. to stay up, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the fan home court would be huge because you still have some good opportunities there. You get, uh, you know, Wisconsin, we play them again at home. There's a chance that would be Wait, a huge Going at home too, that, right? What was that? Illinois at home? Uh, no, nope. Illinois on the road. Illinois. Yeah, on so that, road. that's another option, opportunity for that huge road win. And you get Minnesota again at home, and they're playing reasonably good basketball too. So in yeah. Northwestern, you play twice, and they're – Yep, they're, they're in the they're, tournament they're, right they're now. quality too. So yeah, there's, there's opportunities for good wins yet on the schedule. Like I said, the key is defending at home court. Don't lose those games. You know, if you can get those road wins against Iowa's, the Michigan's, you know, you know, don't lose to Penn State, obviously, at home. You know, Maryland on the road. You know, it's good opportunities for some road wins that'll count up. But and just try to finish, you know, eight or nine of these last fifteen. And I think you put yourself in a great position to to make the tournament and probably even be a little higher than an eleven seed if you can pull that I, off. So I think my point too with, with Wisconsin was there's no shame in losing on the road to Wisconsin. I don't I don't want it to come across yeah. like that. But that was a bad performance too. Yeah, yeah. And this team, it's one of those things when we went and watched Purdue. 
it doesn't take more than about a minute or two of this game of a game to go, oh, this is the team that's showing up tonight. And it's been a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team. And so they play the way they did against Purdue and they played the way they did against Wisconsin. The Minnesota game, you got to see it right in the middle. You know, they played an outstanding right. first half and followed it up with probably their worst second half of the of the season. The Creighton game, they were a little more competitive than they were against Wisconsin, at least early, but then it it, it went out on part. Yeah. Now, quick. Now, the thing is, I love Bryce Williams after that game the other night. He didn't talk about what it takes to get into the tournament. He doesn't have that that all the baggage that we have as Nebraska ball fans, you know, about can we just get to the tournament? Can we can we limp in and, and be a bubble team? He's talking about winning the Big Ten. And I know that's that's completely laughable by Husker basketball standards, but <laughs> we just saw what that team did too. But look at the net rankings. I'll give you guys credit. You guys got me looking at the net rankings here. Yeah. We've beaten number three, Purdue. We've lost to number 14, Creighton. We lost to number 12, Wisconsin. We beat number 25, Michigan State. Uh, we're number 41 as of right now. Yep. Iowa tomorrow night is 67th on the road because you have to beat top 75 teams to get a quad one win. We beat yep. I- Iowa tomorrow night. That's a quad one win. K-State is number 74 right now. They've teeter-tottered around it, but as long as they stay above or below 75, they're a quad one win. And there's Minnesota, our other loss, and they're at number 85 right now. Um, you know, that it's one of those deals where I just want to see this team keep getting better. That's the big thing. You know, you're yeah. going to, we could yeah. play a great game tomorrow night and still lose. This is, it's not even to me about just wins and losses. It's like come out and, and, and not, you know, not have that, that lack of intensity that we heard so much with the Wisconsin game. Give Iowa your best shot. If you lose at Iowa, you lose at Iowa. But yep. but give them your best shot at least. And now that this team has, has got some of the wins under the belt that they have, it, it becomes a little less acceptable to have that bad performance. Like, you need to show up. We're Nebraska. <laughs> we need to show up every single game. And uh, yeah. But if we do that, I like this team. I really do. I like the intensity of these guys. I love These guys – play to the crowd at home, outstanding, figure out a way to get a couple wins. A game like tomorrow night against the 67th team, a game like at Maryland, those are those are games, and yeah. you can you can grab it. Yep, don't forget about Rutgers, right? That's we have back-to-back road games. Rutgers is is, is not great, but they're not bad, and, and that, that'd be another win on the road, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think uh, – you know, a net of, of 41 is reflects what you just ran down with the, the, the good losses, quote unquote, we have mm-hmm. with paired with a couple of good wins. Right. You know, and I think, uh, I think just by the natural course of the big 10, we're going to co- hopefully collect um, several more good wins. And we might have to accept that we're going to get a couple of uh, losses, but hopefully they're good losses that we mm-hmm. are competitive and, and is not going to be detrimental to the resume. And and I think Bryce Williams is right. They can they can win a lot of games here. They just got to keep it up. And um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. I think the key, in my opinion, from an offensive standpoint, is that the ability of creating mix, mismatches like with with Mast, but also the fact that you've got so many guys that can complement the three point shooting of Casey. Right. I mean, we're not really relying on him to hit five a game because CJ's hitting them mask can hit Bryce can hit even Jamarcus Lawrence randomly can put a one or two down. Sam Hoiberg can hit threes. I mean, 
Alec made a huge one when the game got down to one and he yeah. shot that and everyone in our, our whole entire section was like, no, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I guess I bring that up to, to Boomer's point and what he usually highlights when we are losing a game is that sometimes we'll go on a, a drought and we just like flatline our scoring line, right? You know, it's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. When you have more than just one or two guys that can hit threes and I'm talking about like, you know, it competitive contested shots and they can make shots. If you have five guys, six guys that can make, make a three here or there, it's far less likely to go as long in a drought when you've got more options to turn to, right? Because it's harder to defend all five players. And so uh, I'm optimistic, I guess I'm trying to say hockey is that this team um, should be um, suited for the grind of the big 10, because it has enough depth um, both offensively, defensively to your point about, Minnesota and, and and Creighton, not so much Wisconsin, which is still concerning, but like feeling like you have a fully healthy Jawan Gary, who I think is the d- defensive intensity guy at times, right, is hopefully going to be really helpful there. I think Fred really challenged him after that Wisconsin game, and I think if Gary can can be the guy that stirs our, our defensive drink, right, I, I think hopefully the intensity is going to be there the rest of the year. Yep. When I think of intensity, guys, I think of, of Gary and I think of Hoiberg. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Hoiberg had the two pick six layups yeah. and, uh, those guys, they, they can do it on both sides of the, uh, of the court. And, uh, that is really, that's what can be fun about this right now is I, we've scored 88 points now against Purdue. I mean, we're, we are able, capable of scoring at a clip the way that we hoped would be possible when Hoiberg was hired, yeah. Hoiberg bro, but to play the defense, the complimentary defense, we just beat the number one team in the country by 16 points like that. This isn't just, and we didn't yeah. play a bad Purdue team that night. Purdue wasn't. No, off. they hit threes. Those guys were hitting threes. We didn't play a perfect game. We missed two. We missed four points with Bryce Williams in the last five minutes alone with layups that, mm-hmm. that we, we missed. We had a, a flagrant call on them that uh, we turned around and got zero points on that possession. We didn't play perfect by any means. And yet yep. still won by 16. And we took every one of their um, aggressive plays. Purdue would take that, that, 11 point lead at half and take it right down to three, five minutes into it. And it's like, well, that's it. Nope. We, we would go on our run and it was a back and forth. And that night I have no problem saying we were just flat out the better team. And I don't know that we're going to hit 60% from the threes every night or 65, but we won by 16. We could, Nisi could have missed all five of his threes and we still win by one. I mean, it's just, that was hopefully a, a, a blueprint for us, you know, from an effort standpoint and from a confidence standpoint, that is something we can play like that. We can do more than just be holding our, our, you know, our, our crossing our fingers and biting our nails on selection Sunday. We can be better than that. Yep. And uh, that's what I think Bryce Williams was trying to get across in that p- post game pressers that we can be better than that. Let's, w- let's go win the conference. Even if we don't the mentality, go win this thing. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely right. Well, I'll, I guess I'll close Nebraska ball out with, with this and just the sense that I, I think, it was, I think, good for the fan base collectively to have that much fun on a, hmm. a random Tuesday night, I guess. Right. You know, I mean, the, the uh, I mean, it it was fun to watch because it was it wasn't nerve wracking the whole time, you know, and it turned out in our favor. And uh, they, they they looked like the team was having fun. The crowd was awesome on TV. And um, I know it was on, on was it on Peacock this time. 
Yeah, it was a Peacock game. Yeah, yeah, and I, I happened to have that because I'm lazy and didn't cancel from the football game that we had from several months ago. But, um, yeah, it was awesome. It was cool. I think I think the fan base needs more of these moments, right, Hunk? And we've said that forever with football, and it applies to any of it. I mean, that is that was a. I thought about those statements you say you said they when I was there that night. I was like, this, this is big. There's ten year old kids that are you know should be in bed and have school yeah, the next morning. Remember they're, this. They're going to remember that game. And there's some forty five year old kids that are going to remember that game too because that was uh, we hadn't beat a number one team since 1982. It's only the fourth time in, in the program history, and it was a Honky, big. Do you remember that, that game? I don't. <laughs> um, I just had to ask. I, my first season. Of, I was of, there, of, Dave. What are you talking about? <laughs> my first season in Nebraska ball. I can. I remember the the last year of Moiba, and uh, mm-hmm. I remember us losing mm-hmm. the West, listening to the game on radio, listening to uh, Western Kentucky uh, losing that in the NCAA tournament, and then he like quit later that night. But um, yeah, so I mean, I go back that far, but. Boy, 19, 1982 at Missouri. That's the uh, last time we beat the number one. So, yep. good on good on Fred. I'm happy for him, and uh, and hopefully that's a a good sign, a good kickoff to the 2024 year, and a sign for for good things to come. Yep, absolutely. All right, guys. Um, yeah, that was a fun uh, basketball segment. Boomer, uh, let's turn our attention to football. Let's put on our scarlet colored glasses and talk all things Husker football and really college football in general. And I'll, I'll throw it to you. I mean, we've got tons of topics we could attack here. What do you want to talk about first? Oh, geez. Uh, there's so many things to go after. I mean, do we want to start with Husker recruiting and portal break, you know, portal transfers? I mean, that seems to be yeah, exciting news. So, yeah, why don't we start with that? I mean, Let's do it. Well, um, I'll just do a quick recap, I guess, maybe. And I, um, obviously, uh, recruiting the class turned into be a top 20 class. Part of that because we did land Dylan Riola. I don't know if you knew that, Honky, but uh, I know you've been taking some time off away from the program. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we did land our five-star number two recruit in the country, and um, I, I think there's a lot of uh, you know a, a good class before that happened. I think it was awesome to keep Danny Kalen, and and uh, I think there's a lot of um, uh, contributors and stars in that class, but they will take a little bit while to mature. Um, in the last couple of weeks, though, Matt Rule and company has done some great work in the transfer portal. I think they've been very selective, it seems like, and it's really paying off here the last few days. We've got uh, now, what, six or seven transfer portal guys. I don't know if we're going to go much more than that, but uh, a lot of um, players that could have a significant role on next year's team. Honky, do you want to run run through a few of those guys and, and what you think? Yeah, this is uh... – a. As opposed to the last two years, the last season of of, of uh, Frost and the first year of Rule, you know, we hit the portal kind of hard. And I know last year we hit it harder than we wanted to, but it's just the nature of the first year. This year is a lot different. And this, this goes back to that culture thing, too. We've lost four or five guys to the portal. portal. So that we didn't have this mass defection, which you're seeing all across the country. We didn't have that this year. That says a lot to the, I think, to the culture, to the enjoyment the players are having as part of the team. I also think it speaks to a, a pretty competent NIL program to for retention purposes, and that's important. But the players that we did bring in from the portal, we have six guys so far from this this year's class. Uh, one of them came at the end of last year, Bly Hill, and he's a sophomore, a defensive back, very much kind of a, a maybe a project kind of a, 
uh, player, not someone that I think they're expecting just to plug and play right into next season. So this is somebody probably to fill a need at a, at a role. But the five guys that they brought in here basically in the last week or two, these are very specific players to uh, what I'll say is add depth. I never like to say the guy's just an immediate starter, but someone that's going to be adding immediate depth to these positions and is going to be here during the offseason. So Dante Dowdle is the running back from Oregon. Uh, Isaiah Nyer and Jamal Banks, two big guys, 6'3 and 6'4, two wide receivers that are that are older. They've played you know, college football now for three, four years. Uh, Banks specifically, I mean, he was the leading receiver last year at, at Wake Forest, and he's a 6'4, 200-plus pound guy. So these are guys that can be really plugged into some positions that we needed some of that depth and some of that leadership at. Uh, on the O-line, Micah Mazcow, who I, I didn't realize, but his brother is on the team as a walk-on right. uh, running back, if I remember is right. Is that how you, how you pronounce his last name again? I, I'm I'm saying it Mazcow, so M-A-Z-Z-C-C-U-A. And he was at Baylor for three years, played at Baylor, started there by the time he left. And last year they thought he was going to come to Nebraska a year ago, and he ended up going to Florida, started at Florida for 11 games yeah. this year. Big dude, big offense guard. And part of him coming here kind of helps. I think we know we're going to, we know Newley's gone. I don't think Piper's, I guess I don't want to say that he's done. I mean, he's, he, but he had a, a horrific injury there at the end. And right. Yeah. He may not know for a him while. Back, it, if he could, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Mascow at the very least, you're bringing in somebody that you're hoping can plug into one of those spots and you've got other guys, Lutovsky, and, uh, you know, there's Jenkins and I mean, there's other guys that could be playing those other guard spots, too. But uh, I think that was a kind of an, a surprise one. And then today, at the end of the day, on the defensive side, Stefan Thompson, inside linebacker, that was an area of need. And he came from uh, Syracuse, was obviously recruited under and played under Tony White there at, at Syracuse. So, you know, they've hit wide receiver, running back, offensive line and linebacker. Uh, the only position that, you know, in a perfect world, I wouldn't mind seeing one more quarterback on the on the roster right now. Yeah. You know, for the offseason, you've got Harburg and then you've got the two true freshmen. Now, again, this goes back to what we said all last season, all offseason, was Rule wants this to be a developmental program. You're going to be, you know, dabbing into the to the transfer portal. You got to get guys in here now. And that's what all these guys are. So everyone, we're, every name we just right. mentioned, these guys are going to be here. In. Yeah, and so that they're going to be competing in spring. That's that's crucial. I wish we had one more quarterback just for the competition piece of it. But you know, I go back to, you know, I don't I don't just label any guy a starter. Don, Don, I I can't stand reading that. Like Dante Dowell came in here because he's going to start for us. He very well might. He might be the best damn back we've ever yeah. had. And he might you know right. he might be all Big Twelve or Big Ten ne next year. But. We also have Emmett Johnson coming back, who was playing really well. And you get Gabe Irvin and, and Ramir Johnson, uh, you know, healthy. And then you get Quentin Ives into the mix. All I want is competition. And what I like about all these guys, when I've read their 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 articles and everything, from Dowell to, to Banks, all of them have basically said they want to come in and compete. They talk about competing. Yep. They're yeah. not they're not coming in to that. There's no prima donna like this is my position. I was this is what I was given by the, the coaching staff. You haven't earned anything. This is you get here now and start working. And and uh I'm ecstatic that we got these guys. Yeah, you know, I, I mean to the point of feeling different than past years, not only is it a a, a smaller group of, of transfer portal guys 
it, they are coming with with starting experience of their own, but mm-hmm. also willing to compete, which is exactly what you want. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, running back, I mean, who starts and and who ends up, you know, playing more snaps is irrelevant. I mean, it feels like almost at this point in, in how running backs are utilized. But to your point, I think Dowdell brings a different um, running style and body type than maybe, you know, we have mm-hmm. with a few of the other guys. And and that's that's great. I mean, the offensive lineman, however you want to pronounce his last name, I'll call him Micah. Mm-hmm. That's his first name. Um uh, 20-some starts, that's that's good, right? You know, I mean, like, I think that's and, – and, and against good competition, uh, Big 12 and SEC, and graded really well, if I understand, right? So that's – I mean, if 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 Henley Utofsky or Jenkins beats him out, so be it, right? That means they're playing really well. Uh, that's that's good stuff. Um, so that's – it's really promising, and I think they've had a, a very intentional approach to – to the the portal this year and that's paid off you know uh i i'll throw this to boomer or or honky i don't care but like the quarterback question is a really good one and it, it's it is you know the casey thompson thing was a was a random rumor that didn't have any much much merit but he did sign with oklahoma today which i would love to see the research of who's actually played for texas nebraska and oklahoma in their college career and it's got to be a pretty Atlantic. limited window. Yeah, there, there can't <laughs> yeah. be a whole lot of those. But you know. but he's he's. I mean, Oklahoma's probably starting Jackson Arnold next year, right? Casey's there for security, right? So ideally, to Honky's point, I'd love to find somebody who is okay with being um, a a potential backup um, if they don't win the starting job. Competition yep. will start in spring, but uh, if if someone's got as much experience as Casey Thompson is, and is willing to come here, it just seems like those are hard to find. I don't know what other type of quarterback would be out there, whether it's a Juco guy or a uh, FCS guy that would be um, just wanting to, to have the, the big time college experience, but it has taken some meaningful snaps at a, a pretty high level. I, I don't know where you get that quarterback on. Yeah, and, and some of it might be you just have to wait until spring because, you know, these rosters are going to change again when spring ball rolls around and mm-hmm. all this is going to kind of sort itself out. You know, Nebraska's mm-hmm. got to cut some scholarships. You know, we know that. So there's going to be people leaving, you know, in spring, and that'll be true at all teams. So there's going to be another opportunity. Yep. The portal will open again, and you'll have another I mean, Alabama probably has two five-star quarterbacks. Just yeah, probably. And, and with Quinn Ewers <laughs> staying at Texas, Arch Manning might be available. So maybe he'll want to come right. here and throw to some, you know, high-quality receivers that we're getting in. So. Yeah, don't rule anything out at this point, you know. But uh, well, I, I, that'll be the big thing. Yeah, I do think it, it speaks to the importance of a guy like Harbert. And I know there are yeah. Husker fans out there that were ready; they're just ready to discard him, throw you know, get rid of him. Oh my gosh, terrible! He started eight games. I would. The guy yeah. started eight games. He won all, every game that we played last year that that we won. He started, and yes, the defense played a huge role. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't. Uh, he did some good things too, and what he needs is development. We're supposed to be a mm. developmental program. This mm. is a guy that a year ago under under Whipple wasn't even in the room half the time with the, the quarterbacks. So yeah. yes, he needs to be developed. But the importance of him right now, um, as you've got him and you've got two true freshmen, and you know to Boomer's point, could there be a Joe Burrow kind of guy that could come in after the spring is done? You could, but that I just don't even want to count on that kind of stuff. I don't even like to think that way. Um, you know, I mentioned the last two off seasons, the first one of rule and the last one of frost, they were both bigger portal 
off seasons than I want to see. I don't want 15 guys coming and going, and neither does Rule. But even the difference between those two off seasons, at least when Rule did it, every guy was here to compete in the spring. Other than the only guy was Tyler Knack, the guy from the offensive lineman from Utah. He was the only guy that came here after spring ball. You go back two years ago, and that's when O'Shawn Mathis is the big guy, and he gets here in June. We get, you know, uh, Drew, that defensive tackle from Texas Tech, didn't even get here till August. That's you're not developing anybody that way, and yeah. that's just not a way to build a team. Period. And so I really yeah. like how Rule is doing this, and uh, and with the quarterback piece, you mentioned Kalen. That is probably one of the things that perked me up as much as anything in the last few weeks or last month with the, with the program was. When we announced that that Rayola was was interested again, it, it just it it crushed me to think that that you know we just don't just pull the rug out under the, under this guy. Right. You know, I mean, and that doesn't sound sound like something Rule would do anyways. Rule is, I think he's so good as a communicator, he's so good with how he deals with people that that's not how he's going to do it. But I was like, don't, I don't want to see us lose this kid that's been so important to this to this entire class up to this point. Carter Nelson and Bricks and the receivers from Bellevue West. I mean, Kalen did all that. And to see us be able to still pull in Rayola, have it work, and have Kalen come here as well. I mean, there's something there's something right there. And Kalen said all the right things about competing, and that's good. Yep. They're going to need to compete. I love that. And we kind of got in the weird way. We got. I keep hearing people say we didn't get the benefit of a five-star during the recruiting class. I think we got the benefit of two quarterbacks. Kalen yeah. brought in all those guys I just said he brought in, yeah. and now we've hit this portal piece, and Rayola's come in here and got Dowdle and Nyer and, and Banks. We've kind of yeah. got you know a little bit of, of it all there, and so you know I, I guess I'm a positive guy. I want to look at the positives there, and and uh, we walked away with two elite eleven quarterbacks in the same recruiting class, and and I said how you know when's the last time that's done? And somebody on, on Twitter goes, oh, it happens all the time. It happened in 2014 and, and eight and 2002. And I was like, yeah, three times or four times this entire century. <laughs> you know, And it was by, you know, not teams that went five and se seven the year before. And so all of that just, it comes back to rule doing things the right way. Let's build this the right way. He has said over and over again, we're going to be a developmental program. We're going to recruit local. He's brought eight kids in from Nebraska a year ago. He brought eight kids in from Nebraska this year. He already has eight offers out to Nebraska kids yeah. this next year. That's impressive. And it hasn't been at the expense of not going out and getting a five-star quarterback. He did it. It's not at the expense of never going into the, the portal. He'll go in and, and Pick and choose, but I just I like how he's trying to build this, and he's building this in a way that looks very Alabama and Georgia like to me. Alabama and Georgia do not live in the portal; they don't they don't go and bring in nope. ten and fifteen guys a year. Um, they lose more guys than they bring into the portal because they go and yeah. recruit a bunch of guys, develop them, and, and if you can't play, you're probably going to move on. And we yeah. may, run, you know, hopefully we get to be so good that we run into that case too, where there's four star running backs that come here that don't play in two or three years and they have to leave because yeah, they, they just can't right. find a way on the field. What a great place to be in. So <laughs> God dang it, rumor. <laughs> for, anyone, for, anyone, God, for people that listen to us and, and don't watch it, <laughs> Boomer has all these, <laughs> you need to watch it because Boomer has all banner. these banners at the bottom. So yeah. So anytime I say something, you always twist one of my, so rules going to Bama, <laughs> according, to, according to Red Cass Hockey. You know. yeah, well, I don't know who Red Cass Hockey is. I'm Honk Morgan, and uh, <laughs> I'm glad to meet you. That's right. That's right. Um, well, speaking of being more Alabama-like, Boomer, uh, we did uh, catch uh, Dana Holgerson uh, 
in Lincoln last weekend. Uh, he was spotted um, at, at PBA. I can't remember. I think it was anyway. Um, and uh, it definitely seemed like there's a lot of smoke to that that fire that he may be joining the staff in some capacity. Um, what, what do you know about that? And, and what do you think about Dana Holgerson coming up here and helping out the offense? Yeah, that's definitely been uh, a good subject of a kind of, kind of subterfuge lately. It's just what, what was he doing <laughs> here and what, what's his possible role, I think. Um, I think what everybody would expect is some sort of quarterback role, whether it's quarterback coach, whether we actually get an official position on that or some sort of analyst in that role. That seems to be the most natural fit for for him and kind of what the staff needs and what it wants. Now, will it be a full-time quarterback coach or will it be that analyst position? I don't know. Uh, do we have an opening right now for a, a full coach or they have to shuffle some things around or. So Josh Martin was on kind of like, it wasn't a full like two, th two or three year contract. Right. He basically took over the tight ends coaching position when everything went down, um, you know, back in April, in August with the, the former coach. And so, um, I think he was going through the rest of the year, and I don't know if he would go back to being an analyst or, or however they'll do it. There are analysts that make six figures at different schools, so you can oh, you can do that yeah. too. Oh, right. We can yeah. benefit, you know, potentially with Holgerson, whatever role they put him in. I've heard everything from offensive coordinator, pass game coordinator, quarterback coach, or analyst. Um, we could potentially benefit from a coach having been fired at a previous school and still getting paid out by them. I mean, imagine yeah, that definitely. after all the the years of dead money that we've paid. Uh, we actually could be the beneficiary of that potentially with a guy like Holgerson and get him at a, a rate you never would normally be able to do. And, and rehabilitating these coaches worked for Bama for so many years. You know, how, how often yeah. did Saban bring in coaches that had kind of been fired or been, you know, cast aside and bring them in? They turn themselves around and keep turning things out for the tides. So, heck, maybe that's Nebraska's new role. So, yeah. Just taking and, all your wayward coaches and rejuvenate them. <laughs> like boys down, really, you know. Basically and look so, at the, yeah. They ain't heavy, they're my brother. That's the new thing. <laughs> look at the QBs that look at the QBs that Holgerson has worked with too. Guys that have gone on to the pros. You know, he has a, a nice resume there. And really, you go back to last season and let's build on that defense that we had. And so we bring White back. That was a concern. You go back to November, right at, after that Iowa oh, yeah. game. And and write down your list of concerns at that moment. Well, are we going to keep white? Are we going to you? You can go back through all that. Well, now here we are today. We didn't lose our our defensive coordinator. We we didn't lose Nash. We didn't lose Ty Robinson. I think it was a uh, you know a uh, rule said on the the press conference during signing day that the the best job we did in the portal was not losing guys to the portal. The best offensive tackle we could get in the portal was Ben Hart, and we didn't lose him. So. You know, yeah, those right. guys go into it and that kind of goes, you know, Andrew has a question here. Any opinions about our O-line? That's a whole list of those guys there. I mean, Ben Scott could have left and gone pro, but, you know, Ben Hart could have gone portal or gone pro, you know, left early. Uh, Turner Corcoran, you know, these are guys that are all coming back. Then you add Mascow into the list. Uh, you have Prohaska, get him healthy. You have Lutowski started playing quite a bit. Um, and then Justin Jenkins there. Evans, uh, you know, as much as he played at the end of last season. Uh, yeah, he's got experience. He's got experience now. And then it will start to be fun to see those guys like Gotchula and and Sledge, those dudes that have gone through one offseason now. They they are redshirt freshmen, developmental. What do they? How much do they start to play as redshirt freshmen? Uh, can we blow out a team or two and they get in there and, and, you know, later in the game? How about a guy like Grant Bricks? the big four-star guy that's going to be here all off season with the four game red shirt rule, you know, he gets in there for a few 
you know, games there. Uh, there's more depth. There's, I mean, the experience on this offensive line, my gosh. I mean, it feels like we're just talking about the same names over and over again. We could have done this show two years ago with some of these guys and they were <laughs> and Denhart and Corcoran, but yeah. Um, yeah. But that that's good. And now they've got year three under Rayola uh, to work with. And, and I'm expecting big things from the offensive line. I really am. When you look at the guys that potentially, if they'd gone into the portal, if, if a Ben Hart, if a think of Princewell, think of of Leonard, sure. think of Fedoni. How about they that guy? Got money, yeah, no doubt. Nash about it, you know? Robinson. Any of those guys go in the portal, and we're you know we're all nervous that they'd be picked up by somebody, some other school, right? Some sure. some better school than us. Just like Hausman last year. Just like Hausman. Well, you know, Rule I think has a way of of building this this program up to there isn't a better school than here. Stay here. This is where you should be and. And whatever it is, whether it's NIL or Nash, you want to wrestle here. We can, you know, we can make this work with you too. You know, these guys, they, they, you can just tell the guys enjoy being here or else they wouldn't be. Yeah, Every, totally. We are, it almost doesn't make sense that we haven't lost more guys. We're at 90. The, the number I saw right now, the last I saw, we were at 94. And then we've had yeah. these five transfers I mean, some, on. Some players would have to be like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Right. I don't see a, a path to playing time. You look at some of these other, there was a, there was a rundown of big 10 teams, right? I mean, we're mm-hmm. talking like, I'm mean, even Iowa, but like a lot of these teams have 15, 20 guys um, leave already. Pretty, pretty rare to only have four or five. Yeah. And being at, we're at roughly probably 99. Then the last I saw was 94. And then we've had the five transfers this year. Now, not every guy is going to be on scholarship. There's all kinds of talk like a mass cow could be a walk on here. And then NIL fills in. I get it. Right. You know, we, we, we know, we know that game now. We won't even really know a lot of that. Right. Because they don't need to disclose who's on scholarship and who's not. Yeah. Right? Sean Callahan said one time, he, he said, he thinks this is what I read in one of the, you know, one of the chat boards or whatever. He, he said, he thinks that IGC was a walk on last year, but not, yeah. I know he was, I just, I think. Right. And, or I've heard. And so at the end of the day, uh, what I'll say is we have 99 scholarship caliber players there. You know, yeah, that's why you're going to start deciding. Yeah, we're going to lose and, some of them before the season starts, but I bet we won't lose all of them. Yeah, and and let them compete. And I and part of the competition is there's two or three or four walk-ons. I hope that earn scholarships by August. The guys that sure. aren't on our radar right now. When I think or of the Bulls, whatever they want, yeah, or it's an <laughs> you, you earn whatever the equivalent of a scholarship is anymore because who knows what that is except for florida state and their collective they have (laughs) apparently did something wrong but (laughs) short of that um you know earn whatever the 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 equivalent of a scholarship is but yeah a year ago at at this time i mean you had borkercher and you have the two bullocks and and those are guys that they end up playing roles maybe there's a quarterback i mean to go back to the quarterback talk there's long ball on the team that came here from iowa western who knows maybe that kid you know earns himself you know not necessarily playing well i don't know he just earns himself uh you know uh the, the force the ability a chance to compete you know yeah in an earnest way right yeah yeah i mean that's one more guy that's not listed at least on the sheet that i'm looking at right now and yeah. i know a quarterback I, I know that we want to see more than three and that's why it would be nice if we had one more but yeah is what it is hey boomer uh andrew list is that the andrew list that we know uh, yes Sure. Yes, it is. No, he, okay. Yeah, it is. That, yeah, that's Andy. cool. 
Yeah, formerly uh, the Andrews, but yeah, he's more professional now. It's Andrew. So yeah. yes, we also have RS watching, and he's watching from oh. Cebu, Philippines. Yeah, yeah. he's been on, on many times. Yeah, yeah. we're our... big in the Philippines. Absolutely, you didn't know that. Well, at least yeah. in Cebu. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, all right, um, all right, guys. Well, we're having a lot of fun here. We're 50 minutes in. Uh, we've talked uh, recruiting, transfer portal, um, hockey. Uh, I, I still have more things I could talk about. What do you want to talk about football wise? I do want to. This goes back to the culture thing. Is that I I like the fact that like, tomorrow night, six thirty, Nebraska is going to Nebraska is number six in wrestling. We're going to be playing number th- or wrestling against number three Iowa, who's of course a a blue blood of wrestling. Nash went out there. The the polar bear wrestled for the first time in college uh, a week ago against I think it was a Wyoming guy and pinned him in the first period yeah and you guys know how much i know about wrestling like nothing i just like <laughs> like kind of stay within the circle thingy and get guy on his back and try to score points apparently right mm-hmm. but it's fun to watch and man the, the whole you know all the football guys that were there it seemed like the whole damn team was at this thing cheering them on they had they had transfer recruits that were in there uh, apparently holgerson was at the thing even and this goes back to what i think trev is trying to build as an athletic department is it's also this cooperation between programs that, you know, that Mark Manning, the wrestling coach and rule get to know each other and they can sit there and have a conversation and say, Hey, if it makes sense, you know, yeah, we can, we can help uh, Nash lose a few of those pounds and Nash can help the wrestling team out. Let's go ahead and do it. And when I was at the last semester, when, um, when uh, my family went down Friday and we ate at the training table with Tyler Kai and everything, and we had the the naming ceremony there. I mean, we ate, it was a home football weekend. The volleyball team had a home weekend and we're eating in this, this uh, training table and all the players are there, all the athletes, all the, the programs, everyone's kind of sitting at tables, you know, bumping into each other. I, I ran to Mark Mann like 10 times. That dude's like just jogging around, you know, getting his food and talking <laughs> to everybody. And, and it's like, I can see how you can just, all these bump in conversations and these chances to have people just that, that, that culture, of, of a big family kind of getting created. I mean, family eats around a table. Well, that's what the, I think Trev wants to create there. And prior to Trev being here with the old training table, I can remember walking by there, walking around and you see people all the time walking out with, with boxes of food and stuff and, and whether they eat it or don't or whatever, that's a whole different thing. But, but Trev, I mean, that was an important thing. He said early on rule came in there and said, we're going to eat together. And you go out and you build a $160 million facility with an even bigger training table, then it better get used. And I think we're seeing the byproduct of that right now with it's almost across the board. I mean, volleyball is volleyball. They're, they're their own, you know, beast of, of a program right now. But the, I think the trajectory that rule has us on what we're seeing with, with Hoiberg right now, uh, softball just came out in their preseason 15th. And of course went out and got the, you know, Jordy ball to come home here. Yeah. You know, women's basketball goes out and gets a uh, Brit Pin- uh, Prince from, Elkhorn and she's like a top, you know, 20 player in the, in the country. I mean, all these programs, I'm interested to, to start talking baseball here in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like it's, a, it's a holistic approach that Trev has taken and we're starting to kind of, it's not just Hoiberg is finally taking off. I, I'm, I mean, I am bullish right now on just about everything within the athletic department that it's being run well at the top and it's just kind of filtering its way down through, through all the programs. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, it, just a couple of other random 
you know, college football uh, takes, I suppose, uh, speaking about well-run programs, um, uh, Alabama is uh, looking to replace their head coach. Nick Saban is, is left. Um, we can talk a little bit about that, but we're not experts on Alabama or, or Nick Saban. Uh, we just know he's probably, you know, considered the greatest college football coach of all time with seven national championships. And he's really in 17 years there um, done some amazing stuff. We can speak honky, I'm sure, a little bit about like thinking through how like Nebraska had to transition away from from T.O. and and the challenges of following up a legend of that nature. Um, what do you think the next coach at Alabama is, is going to face? Um, just knowing what what Frank Solich faced here. Yeah, I mean, let's be very clear about Saban leaving. This is not the you know. There's no other. The last time we've even had a comparable coach leave a program. Uh, the athletic director was was named Burn as well. I mean, that's <laughs> this, is how, this is how rare this is. There's um, a asymmetry there. This, yeah. yeah th- you wouldn't I mean, say like Bowden or anything like that. Uh, not even it, this is. I mean, th- there are only three coaches. I think uh, it was Brett Siancia at Pick Six Preview said there's only three coaches that have coached. Um, what was it like? More than 25 years had more than 250 wins and had at least three. Uh, national titles, and it's it's Osborne, it's Bear Bryant, and it's Saban. That's it. Yep. Um, it is such. This isn't just great company. This is the elite of elite. Um, I used to argue with people till I was blue in the face about you know Osborne's the greatest of all time. At this point, I'm fine certainly with with Saban being in that conversation. I'll just say that there's a Mount Rushmore of coaches that makes it a little more easy to to have that conversation. More inclusive. And if you throw four coaches up on there. Uh, you put Bear Bryant on it, you put Saban on it, you put Osborne on it without even a, a second thought, and I'll let people argue who the fourth should be. But those three, um, Saban, what he did there, what he did not just for Alabama, but what he did for SEC. Yeah, I mean, yeah. SEC wasn't winning national championships nope. prior to him getting to LSU. No, LSU was just nope. kind of an average program, you know, when he, yep. you know, he took that yep. over. People forget that, you know. Yep. And he really instigated, I think, what that whole conference – that and, and, for what it's worth, a lot of that conference, when I think they're overrated, it was because you had one or two teams that were just so good, but nobody else was beating them either. I mean, yeah. you know, if the SEC is so deep, then, you know, they would be beating Alabama on a more regular basis. They haven't been. I mean, that's just his success these last 16 years. It almost doesn't feel like he's been there that long. But then you go, you, you look back on it, it's like his first season, they went seven and six. And every single year after that, they won at least double digits every game. So to go back to your your point there, David, about what are the expectations of the next guy? Well, they're going to be really effing high. Like yep. if you go, you better not go 10 and three. You better not go nine and four, you know, and, and have two close losses. You just better not because it is not going to be acceptable there any more than it was here when, uh, you know, when, when that happened here. And we eventually, we fired Solich, who now is going to be a, a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, in the next class, we fired yeah, him after right. six seasons. That included yep. a conference championship. That included a a, a uh, entry into the national championship game. Uh, that included what four double digit win seasons. I mean, yep. all the yep. all the things that you know you would look back on now and go, why in the world would you fire him? Well, you do it because you're just your heads in la la land because you don't know what's realistic anymore. Alabama fans do not know what re- is realistic. They just don't, and yep. I don't blame them. I mean, it's nope. been I just hope there. they I just hope they just appreciated the heck out of everything they've just gone through. Their next guy may be able to to keep some of the, the success going. Alabama's got a lot of positives going for them, 
But I just know I'll go back to the 2005 era when the three best teams in the country at that time, at any given point, would have been Florida with Urban Meyer, would have been USC with Pete Carroll, would have been Texas with Mac Brown. And all three of those schools, anybody would say those guys will never they, – they are in the hotbed recruiting. They are, you know, big time programs, tons of money. You know, they yeah. will never, never, you know, just fall drop back. off the face of the earth. They'll yeah. never fall back, right? And all it takes is losing Urban Meyer, and all it takes is losing Pete Carroll, and uh, you know, even uh, at Texas, there they were starting to already have some trouble with Mac Brown at the end. But point is, it didn't take much. It was that coach, it was that guy at the, at the very top, and uh, all of a sudden, some of that success starts to wane. And there's other great teams around there. That's the thing. If 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 all if Alabama even just slips a little, right there's Auburn and state to to take up whatever slack, or there's LSU, or now you've got Oklahoma and Texas coming into the conference. There is yep. so little room for margin for error, and that's what made coaches like Osborne and and Saban so amazing. Is that they they took every there, there was no game they took off. Every game was the Super Bowl to them. How they prepared for it, and. uh and yeah. that's that's per- something pretty special. Yeah, you know, Boomer. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I about kind of online. You know, um, next year, twenty twenty four. It's Alabama is actually going to a north side to play Wisconsin, and they actually play Georgia in the regular season for the first time since Neptune's gone around the sun last. I mean, <laughs> and that's going to be tough for whoever takes this job. I mean, we we commented about Stuart Mandel saying, if you really want to coach Alabama, the smart thing to do is just wait and let this poor sap who follows Saban, you know, flame out in the next three years and then step yep. in. So yeah, that's not impossible to consider that that's something that, that could happen. I mean, it's, it, it's hard to follow a legend and man, you know, some names have popped up. You know, Lanning's already said he's going to stay at Oregon, which is probably yep. a move if you're an Oregon coach. And now there's a lot of buzz around, you know, like uh, Caitlin DeBeer from, you know, Washington. Uh, I like DeBeer. I, I, he was one of my candidates for a coach here. I, I don't know yeah. if you know what he's getting into there down. or Florida State. Possibility. I mean, that, that would make a little more sense, just getting out of FSU than, you know, since they're stuck in the ACC, since their stupid GOR deal, which, you know, We've talked about many times. But. What do you think of Zach's question there? Zach, uh, post that one again there, Boomer, if you can. He said uh, that Bama yeah. wants to hire in 72 hours. Thoughts? Uh, that was yeah, 24 right. hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, and, I think and, they, yeah, I mean, there's been talk that they want to have it named by tomorrow. I mean, that's yeah, what I heard. Burn already, came out and had to make the same statement that, that Trev had to make when he fired Frost, which was, you're going to hear a lot of rumors over the court now. And in Trev's case, it was 72 days. Here it's 72 hours, but it's, you're going to hear a lot of rumors unless you hear it from me, from athletic director Byrne, then, you know, don't believe it. But to, to Zach's point there about player retention, there was already the first uh, decommitment. I think today we saw yeah. on Twitter decommitment from wide receiver. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, there, this isn't a great time of the year to have this happen for them in terms of you don't want your roster to blow up right now. Kevin Steele a week ago, the uh, former Husker coach, he's the defensive coordinator. He re- retired. So, I mean, there's, you know, a little bit of there's some transition going on there right now. So yeah, there's I think this, that's a part of the urgency, Honk. I think yeah. they feel like yeah. they need to. And, and it was kind of one of those things that uh, that uh, Saban talked about. He did an interview with Reese Davis earlier today, and it was he said that was one of the reasons he finally decided to hang it up. Is you know, it'd be whether it was people he was hiring or or you know players he was recruiting. They were asking him, you know, can we guarantee you're going to be here in you know ten years, five years, three years? And he he said he's getting to the point where I can't honestly say that. To people anymore and mm-hmm. that's part of the challenge when it comes to keeping a roster together like that is yeah. you know you're, yeah. you're thinking they're going to play for Saban and you know 
now you're not. So who are you going to fill that with? And I think that's why that urgency is there. You've got to, yeah, got to make a good yeah. hire. And it probably has to be a splashy hire. You're Alabama. You're not just going to hire random schmo. You know, it, um, no, unless you're no, not available, you might be sitting on the plane right now. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, it's intriguing to that point, Boomer, is in the sense that it's it's impossibly as flashy as Nick Saban, right? You know, and so how do you? How do you do that? Because I mean, Mike Mike Norvell is a super well respected coach. Been at Florida State now for what maybe four years, um, and uh, but he, he hasn't even made the playoff, right? You know, yeah. uh, Kaden DeBoer has uh, made the championship game, didn't win it, right? I mean, there's very few national championship coaches out there. Um, the ones that that are available are probably past their prime or just got fired themselves. Uh, the ones you really would want are, are are you know in really good spots themselves. So it's really intriguing, Um, and it it highlights what Saban achieved at Alabama and and how the SEC has changed so much in that time, right? And and maybe it's the playoff going forward too, right? Someone like Lane Kiffin maybe in the past would have jumped at this, Um, but now he probably thinks he can make make the playoff next year with Ole Miss, and he – to Stuart Mandel's point, why follow right now? I might come in in, in three or four years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it just it's it. The SEC is is so elevated since Saban joined, and 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 actually probably a little bit before then. I mean, for some of our younger listeners that probably don't really you know think about that. I mean, the SEC prior to LSU with Saban winning the title in 03, uh, I was trying to do the math really quick there, right? They had. Had Florida, Tennessee, and Alabama each win one title apiece in the 90s. Yeah. Alabama was completely random, but the other two kind of built up and, and got those. Georgia, probably the only SEC team to win in the 80s. 81? I 80, would have had to have been, I think. I can't think of They didn't win one title in the really 80s, 80s yeah. until Alabama got theirs against Miami. Yeah, and and kids don't remember that, but Alabama was like the plucky underdog in that game yes. with Gene Stallings that the nation was oh, plucky for. underdog. I mean, that's the crazy thing about that championship. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the last time I've cheered then, Alabama. Then in the 70s, uh, Bear got his last two titles in 77, 78. He might have won one earlier in the 70s, but no one else in the SEC won. Yeah. In the seventies, in the sixties, Arkansas, I think one, maybe one. Arkansas, yeah, but they weren't in the SEC at the time. Oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah, they were in Southwest. All this had a great it, year. It, but... it even just goes back to the reverence I have for Osborne. Also, is the fact that he took over for a legend. And I always say it in the Southwest yeah. Corner Memorial Stadium. There's a reason that they have that plaque there. Don't ever take those two, those four pillars and that plaque for, for granted, Husker fans that uh, it, it's from 1983 and that we had had the fastest, the fastest in NCAA history. And it's still got to be at, at this day to 200 wins between two coaches. It took them 22 seasons for two coaches to win 200 games combined. So a hundred each, the idea that you could have one legend follow another Osborne wanted to leave Nebraska. I mean, he was, he interviewed for Texas tech. I think when they went down to the sun bowl in 69, mm-hmm. he was, you know, you don't want to follow a legend. And um, and that's that you go back to 98 when Osborne was able to name Solich. And I think looking back on this now, I think he named a, a pretty good coach to, to replace him. I mean, this guy's getting mm-hmm. inducted into the Hall of Fame now this year and has a you know his name on a field in, in Athens, Ohio, and he has his name on the locker room here in Lincoln. But um, but what Osborne there was no good way to replace Osborne. There just wasn't. I've heard people come back now and say, you know what? Bob Stoops actually wanted to be head coach at Nebraska. 
Awesome. Mm-hmm. We you can look at you can look at that through today's lens, but in 1988, like- are you going to get rid of your staff that just went 60 and three and has Milt Tenenbaum and coaches that have been here for decades just so you can bring in the hotshot young guy? And when he goes nine and four in year one, the exact same record that Solich ended up going. But could you imagine if Bob Stoops came here and went nine and four in year one? We would have run him out. We hadn't lost four games in a season since 1968 at that point. And it's because Osborne set such a ridiculous level yeah, of play true. to go 255, 49, and three in 25 years to average more than 10 wins and less than two losses over 25 years is inhuman. And what Nick Saban just did is inhuman. And it's not, it's not sustainable. It just isn't. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, the odds of Alabama winning six more titles over yeah. the next 17 years is so low. It's it's. I would bet against it right now in a heartbeat. Just Absolutely, and that I doesn't mean that. Yeah. I'm not saying that Alabama is going to drop off the face yeah, of the earth. I'm not saying that win. they're going to start lose, having losing seasons. Get good, competent coaching in there and everything. But to think that there's not going to be a major transition, and maybe maybe you get through a bit of next year. But even think about when the last time a really long tenured great coach left Stoops, and who replaces mm-hmm. him? Lincoln Riley. Oh my God, this dude, this guy's young. He's going to win for decades and decades. He's not there anymore. Yep. You know, I mean, it is so hard to replace he's that. He's struggling at USC. Yeah. Now he's struggling there, right? And and at Oklahoma, you're already now in your second coach since Stoops. Now you're switching conferences. And who the heck knows what happens then? So yep. Um, yep. stability is so important. It's one of the reasons I am so happy with where Nebraska is right now. I guess I'll bring that back to us with this. Yep. Trev and, and Rule, um, Man, as long as we've got those two guys, you know, on the same page leading this, I, I feel so good right now. I really do. Uh, I wish we had a few more wins last year just for the the sake of of having that, you know, the taste for the Husker fans to have. But the idea, the the concept that we're not doing things right or whatever, that's that's just not there. This is I'm really happy with the status of where we are as a program, and I can't wait to watch the competition now this offseason. I think that's that this is the part of the year I get real excited is the competition part, not all the the roster building, recruiting, you know. Right, right. right. Well, well, let's let's wrap that up with one more thought then, Honk. And, okay. and Boomer, I know you probably have a take on this a little bit too, but um, talking about building up a program and doing it the way that, that you want to do it, uh, Jim Harbaugh got his national championship on Monday night. And uh, we can we could spend a long time talking about um, whatever you're – call them the Connor Stallions uh, controversy and the spying and all that type of stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, Michigan did beat Penn State and Ohio State and Iowa and Alabama and, and Washington on it, at the end of the season without all of that going on. And, and I think they did prove they were the, the best team. They weren't like, it's not one of the greatest teams of all time. There's flaws to that Michigan team, but they were on a mission this year and they delivered uh, their first national title since 1997 and, and di- doing it the way Jim Harbaugh wanted to do, right? To, kind of like Fred Hoiberg you're talking about. You know, Harbaugh had some mobile quarterbacks initially. They were trying to do different stuff. Um, it wasn't that successful. They uh, really got back to uh, what Harbaugh had success at Stanford, power uh, football, uh, run game dominant, uh, pro style, uh, and it, it, it paid off. With uh, a recruiting class was, was four, on average 14th in the country, which is not the Alabamas and Georgias and Ohio States of the world, and um, Michigan won, right? Uh, Honky, I guess I'm, I'm I'm saying that is the sense that 
from that Nebraska culture and building the program right and doing it the way that you want to do it. Um, I'm not saying we're winning a national title in the next couple of years, but uh, the playoff, I think, can be a realistic um, goal in the in the very near future, actually, if all these things continue to, to build in the right direction. Do you see how Harbaugh had success at Michigan as a, a template for, for a role? Sure. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of it just starts with the confidence that that you can do it. But, you know, we're recruiting well enough right now. We have the roster we have is good enough to be competitive at a national level. And sometimes you need a little bit of luck to go along the way, too. Right. But you go back to 2020 and Michigan sitting there at two and four, you know, and that's the covid year. But they went two and four in 2020, three years ago. They are a team at that point that hasn't beat Ohio State in a almost a generation at that time. You yep. go to Washington two seasons ago, Washington's four and eight right before DeBoer gets there. These are the teams that just played for the national championship just two and three years ago. And so I think things can be, and I think you can look at Nebraska then. And last year records matter and we were five and seven, but I think you can look at a record and you can go, well, you're five and seven and you lost to a national championship team. Michigan clearly outclassed us. No doubts there. Yep. Uh, Colorado, anyone that was at that game, Dave, you and I were, that was, uh, I wish we could have that game over. And that was a, yep. a, a weird game at a weird time. And they were as hot as you could be. And I wish I would have got them in, in game eight. Post game absolutely. And then the other five games are, are un, unlike anything. I mean, I, I know it's Nebraska, you know, football the last few years and we've just been kicked, but to have five losses by three or less points, one of them being the overtime to, to Wisconsin. So that's a one point loss. I know we lost by a touchdown, but if it's overtime, that's a one point loss in my book. To lose five games that close to lose three of those games on walk-off field goals to go into November and lose all four at the end. That's a tough way to end the season. There, there's no doubt about that, but rules positivity is, is much needed right now. And, and I just think his demeanor, you know, leads that way. And then it's let's attack the problem. And the problem wasn't everything. We don't need to D on the team and get rid of the whole offense line, get rid of everything. No, in fact, we're going to, we're going to probably have as few of departures as anybody in the entire conference. And then we're going to go out there and we're going to cherry pick the guys that we need at very individual spots. And we're going to create competition. We're going to get the five-star quarterback. We're going to keep our other in-state quarterback. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to do something just at the expense of trying to win a game. We're going to go out there and, and all the, the things that he has built into the vision of this program, recruiting locally, and and going out there and and breeding competition and being a developmental program, we're going to be that too. And so I hope you know right now. When I, whenever I read someone says Ah, Rayola is the starting quarterback on day one, he very well may be, but I usually mute that person because I we don't know. I don't I don't want anything given to anyone right now, and I doubt that Rule is giving anything either. Let's let them compete like crazy. And uh, I like where we could be in just a year or in two. You know. I, yeah, and right. I think I think the Michigan and Washington right there, it shows you that this doesn't have to be the long runway. This isn't a seven year plan like Moose did on year one, you know, when he yeah. hired Frost. This isn't that. We can we yeah. can be good and we should be good. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think that's something that the expanded playoff will make even more Absolutely. achievable for teams going forward. You are not gonna need yep. these massive, you know, rebuilds and and constantly stockpiling these these huge you know, recruiting classes of all five-star talent just to just to make those things and impress the voters and impress the committee to you know to put you in this. It's a lot of teams are going to have opportunities to to get into this postseason and then make something happen. 
And I, I, you know, that'll be great for teams like Nebraska, where you can put together something like this and then, and, and make it work. And it's really gonna be good for a lot of teams. Heck, this, the 14 playoff this year worked great. We had a kind of yeah, a, a, a totally different, you know, final. than I think everyone expected, you know, you get, who would have predicted, you know, Michigan and Washington to start the year as your final, yeah. as your chance. I'll always, I'll always be frustrated by Florida, but, Florida State not getting. Oh, in, I but, agree too. Yeah, but this it's whole a, thing was a travesty. But yeah, I mean, it was yeah. bound to finally happen in the four game era. Thank God, it's yes. all the more reason to get to twelve. I used to fight Boomer. You would you'd attest to this. I would fight the idea of playoffs. I hated the four team one, the sanctity of the season, the bowl season, all that stuff. But look, what what this thing grew into. This bowl season was such a dud, and I'm so turned off by it. And I was turned off by it, not just because Nebraska didn't make it. It, it, it. I was turned off the second Florida State didn't get in there. This is just – this is a garbage postseason. This is bad for, for college football fans, what's going on, yes. until until we saw the actual playoff games being played. Then yep. it was like, okay, that's that's what it is. At this point, the way this bowl season is and has become, I, I'd expand the playoff further. I mean, yeah. it, it, at this point, I, I don't – I see so little – little reason not to, but, but another I will say, 12. <laughs> yeah, but, and I don't want to get us into a whole different thing. This could be another conversation for the next yeah. show, but college football has got a lot to fix right now. I don't think 1600 or 1800, whatever we're in the portal now, I don't think that's a sustainable and good thing year after year. NIL just running amok. We're seeing Florida state today, apparently being, um, you know, penalized for something who the hell knows what the, the rules are with NIL at this point. But, but, you know, there are some things that need to be addressed. The the postseason, the bowls, all that, um, fans are the ones that get hurt at the end of the day by all this. If I was a fan of a team where half my team didn't show up for the bowl game, or if I'm watching, oh you know, Duke versus Troy, and you got both coaches have bolted already before the game goes, how can you sit there and, and talk about how important this is? You know how important these games are and everything, and you should be spending your money on this when when that's what that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, come on. So that's another discussion. I, I I could I could keep going on. Those are some of the things that have been going through my head, Dave. The last that's right. That's right. Until the next time, right? It was three months. Good to have these times to decompress and just let things flow. You know, meditate. Yeah. yeah. It, it's yeah. Been since it was late September, early October was the last show I did. Um, Full you know, show. and it just you know it was good to just kind of sit back and watch things. I, I I genuinely as disgusted as I was, and that's probably a good word for it. As disgusted as I was at at some of the national stuff that I'm, I'm seeing and some of the things that are changing in this game. It's happening at the same time that I'm as enthusiastic about the team I care about and, and, and a coach that's doing things truly the right way. I mean, he's at a program where if he just wants to write a blank check to players, we could Nebraska's can benefit as much as anybody from yeah. NIL just overspending on players. I'd much rather do what he's doing right now. Use that money to retain players, retention, guys that are that are here that have been you know doing things for you for the last two three four years he's using it that way and he's and he's bringing these huge classes and in-state kids and everything and developing them that's the right path that is that's new school college football with yep. old school mentality combined that's what Nick Saban does that's what I think Kirby Smart does I don't have any problem saying that I think that's what rule is doing I hope we can have the same success with rule that that those other guys have had yep Give him some time. Give some time. All right. Yep. Um, I think it's probably a, enough of a show there, an uh, hour and 18 minutes. Uh, I, hopefully we can save some content for the the next <laughs> one. But uh, let's uh, get out of here with some parting shots. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, let hockey get a breath here. And uh, Boomer, you go first. 
Well, mostly my big uh, parting shots for the most part is uh, Honky kind of mentioned it earlier. Just when it comes to the whole culture of Nebraska sports, they, there's a lot going on right now. It's not just football recruiting. I mean, you've got Nebraska ball playing well. You've got women's you know, basketball playing great. I just watched them play tonight in a beating Illinois at home. I mean, just go mm-hmm. out and, it, you know, watch watch Nebraska-Iowa wrestling. I mean, they don't get in Nebraska yeah. wrestling doesn't get enough you know press for what it is. Just just yep. enjoy it, watch that stuff. Just they're numbers in the country. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So just watch all these uh, alternate sports this time of year, and just 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 support Nebraska generally. And uh, the other thing is the weather is going to suck here in Nebraska for the next few days. So just be <laughs> careful out there. Don't don't drive if you need to. Stay home. Stay warm, and just be sensible. That's right. That's right. I mean, sensible would have been the Dolphins winning their game last week. So they wouldn't have to go play the that Chiefs would have on Saturday night. Does it count if, if a game's on Peacock? Does it count if nobody sees the playoff I, I game? I think it's going to count, game. Boomer, and I think yeah. they are not going to like the weather out there. Um, <laughs> and you guys have been to the Arrowhead when it's really cold out. Oh, yeah, that stadium does not lend itself well to like stiff breezes and cold weather. That's Oh, that's a very the, miserable stadium. And when that. when we talk about an expanded playoff in the future and, and having home sites, we've always talked about the SEC and those schools that never have to play up north. The idea that the Dolphins are going to have to play in negative 30-degree yep. temperatures yeah. against Casey, that matters. I still think back to the Chargers game back in the day when they had to play at like Cleveland or Cincinnati or something. Like with, Cincinnati. With, yeah. with, was it at Cincinnati with like Dan Fouts? And yep. you know, that was like the highest scoring air Coryell, and it Couldn't weather matters. Can you imagine? Yep. Hey. Think Husker fans, Redcasters, there's going to be a day where Lincoln, Nebraska is hosting a game and we're going to have Alabama or somebody coming up here in December. And, and darn uh, straight, well, tell the way it's going out, it's January because you've seen like the, uh, <laughs> the, the postseason next year. I've got it handy. And my God, they're stretching us out till freaking January 20th. And of course, yep. the finals in Atlanta, you got the final, you know, semifinals in the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl and everything else in the sugar and peach and, you know, if you had, on Brand on campus the there, December twentieth and twenty first. Yeah, I mean, this cold. is something we can talk about yeah. next show is how we would redesign the postseason. But holy crap, can we stop doing this, people? <laughs> Let the bulls die. Stop the SEC's advantage. Play all of that at home sites until the final game. The FCS I'm, I'm, has this figured I'm, out. I'm all in Do with that. Boomer here. I, yep. Boomer, you have you have converted me hook line sinker. It's taken you fifteen years, but you've done it. I, I'm. <laughs> Hey, we, I'm converted. We played a long game here. We're willing to convert anyone we can. You know, which is probably going to take another it. decade or two to bring everyone along. Um, but until then, let's hear Honky's parting shot. Uh, same point that the Boomer had about the, all the other programs. Tomorrow night, Friday night here, uh, Nebraska and Iowa are, are on BTN from six thirty to ten thirty or eleven, whatever. Wrestling first uh, at at Devaney Center, then followed by. Uh, the Husker basketball game at Iowa City. So hopefully we're successful there. Hopefully we just come out and we, we play well. That's what I want to see as much as anything. You, you know, wins on the road, you, you're going to take everyone you can. Uh, when you're playing Iowa and, and wrestling, uh, I mean, they are they are the blue blood of wrestling in the in the conference. They're undefeated right now. So that's going to be a tough one. But who knows, man? And let's see. And I, I really want to see Nash out there. I'd love to see him, see what he could do there. So, uh, Speaking of one of the other teams, softball, I mentioned uh, today they were preseason number 15, and uh, awesome. the Jordy Ball effect is is out there. So uh, excited about softball right now. And I know they they had a, a rush on season tickets last year when she made the transfer. So hopefully uh, they can get off to a good start here in the next month, and, and that will be fun. And then last but not least, I mentioned it one time earlier too, congratulations to Coach Solich and to Danny Woodhead. 
two uh, of mm. the College Football Hall of Fame inductees for this year. So obviously Solich, player under Devaney in the 60s, longtime assistant coach, head coach here. He was also an assistant coach in the state of Nebraska prior to coming here. And then uh, Woodhead, a North Platte uh, kid that went up to Shadron State, probably one of those guys that I don't ever want to see us miss on again. Uh, there's talent in the state, and he's just a good example of that. So congratulations to both of those guys. That will be a, a fun ceremony uh, for Nebraskans to watch. But uh, glad to be back. Looking forward to uh, whenever our next show is. I don't know if we're going to do them every week or how we're going to do them in the offseason. We're going to just kind of have a little more fun and not make yeah. everything so structured. We'll do it and that's when we want to talk about something. That's right. Maybe another Nebraska basketball win. I don't know. We'll see. Why not? Who knows? That's right. All right, guys. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully our listeners did too. Uh, until the next time, let's call this a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. Heard at Sports Network Production.